You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Very important point. We begin to believe, we continue to believe, and we believe, and we believe, and we believe. In fact, just mentioning that, okay, I I hope it doesn't take me off. Let let me show you an interesting uh, scripture that uh, Exodus 33, I think we've looked at it here before. Exodus 33, verse 13. Very interesting on this matter of belief. So nobody, you know, gets pushed out of the way. Believing is fundamental. We started the year by saying, God is calling us to be believers. Now, when you believe, you know. And the more you know, you believe. The more you believe, the more you know. Okay? Exodus 33, 13. Okay, yes. It says, now therefore, let's read together. Now therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may what? That I may know you. And then what will happen? And that I may find. (laughs) I see something there. What did he have when he started? He had grace. Then he said, show me your way that what may happen. Uh That's the way spiritual things are. Praise the Lord. It's like, um, who likes to eat something here now? So you eat meat pie that is very nice. Do you go about and tell people, there's this meat pie I ate, it's very nice. And that's all. What do you do? You go back and eat it. Like, that's it. That's it. That's it. You keep going back. If I found grace in your sight, say, show me your way. That I may what? Know you that I may find more grace. They don't finish. Praise the Lord. That's why when you see people who know book, what do they do? They keep reading. They finish first degree. They do second degree. They do masters. They do PhD. They do professor. They do this. They do this. And then the one who doesn't know is not even reading at all. That's why it says to him that has much what? Much more will be given. Okay? So that's the principle and it's automatic really. As we're going to see, it's automatic. It just flows from one to the other. And the point he was making was that Peter's testimony was not that, ah, to whom shall we go? You healed my mother. No. Or you gave me a catch of fish. No, he said you have the words because the scriptures are very careful. Very, very careful about this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus heals, Jesus raises the dead, but he is life. And he came that we might have what? Life. That's what he came for. If you miss life, you can be healed and miss life. You can be prosperous and miss life. Okay, so that's why the scripture says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of what? That should tell us something. It's like we're a football team. And the coach sends you out and say, dribble, you know, pass accurately, run, you know, the flank people, run, everybody, do what you do. At the end, what does he want? Goals. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. If you fight the fight and you don't lay hold of eternal life, ah, it's a pity. Praise God. Okay, this evening we want to just move ahead and um, I trust God will have some time to also pray. God is, you know, speaking to us this year that um, you and I are living in the last days. We know that these are perilous times. We know that. But just like our Lord Jesus Christ says, he says, in this world, there will be, I will, we will have what? Tribulations. But he says, be of good cheer for what? I have overcome the world. For the year 2024, no matter what happens, because God is, and because God is for us, we have no reason, we have nothing to be worried about. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how the you know, year looks as you sit back. It doesn't even matter how the last year looks. It doesn't matter what when you sit down and do your balance sheet, your assets and responsibilities and all of it. It doesn't matter how it looks. What you need and what you are guaranteed is that you have the sufficient dosage of God. You will be victorious this year in the name of Jesus. And that's why we just want to delve into him 
not wasting our time, you know, making sure that we know him. And that's what we began to look at on Sunday. Okay, so I believe in him. Uh, uh, the scripture says that grace and peace be multiplied to you and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I know Jesus, okay, praise God. I know Jesus, but they're saying there's a multiplier effect. The more I know him, the more peace I have. The more I know him, the more grace I walk in, okay? So this year, the knowledge of God, the pursuit of the knowledge of God is not what my neighbor should ask me to do. It's not what the pastor should ask me to do. It's not what my husband or wife should ask me to do. No, it is to my advantage, praise God. It is to my safety, like a brother innocent, he made an important point. He says, do not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It's so sad how believers that have 40, you know, translations of the Bible on their phone will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. If you have time, when you go home on your Google or anywhere you have your um, search, just put deceive in your bible and see how many times they told you do not be deceived if the word of god is shouting to you pleading with you do not be deceived do not be deceived are they trying to fill up 40 words for the essay it means that there is going to be deception praise god in fact the bible assures us that if care is not taken even the very elect will fall away so it means that as you take every step you're taking know that deception is very likely and i've told us here even as you're listening to me just be checking is pastor you cannot deceiving me check it by the word don't take it that i said it take it by what the word of god says to you praise the lord because we're in dangerous times you can't trust anybody the only one you can trust is the holy spirit and the word praise the lord somebody okay so god is bringing us to a very important fundamental understanding that is an area where deception and lack and um all right not lack loss has been experienced by me and by many of us because we did not see the two dimensions of god you know for this particular study romans eleven let let's go there again romans eleven twenty-two, and if you can give us a message translation praise god so it says here, it says, make sure you stay alert to these qualities of what? Gentle kindness and ruthless severity that exists side by side in God. Let's read that passage together, everyone. It says, make sure you stay alert to these qualities of gentle kindness and ruthless severity that exists side by side in God. Ruthless with the dead wood, gentle with the grafter shoot. But don't presume on his gentleness. What does this remind you of? Grace, grace, grace. Grace, grace, grace. They say don't presume. Even the psalmist David cried to the Lord. He said, please, free thou thy servant from what? Presumptuous sins. Don't presume on this gentleness. Don't presume on it. Do not presume on it. The moment you become dead, would they say you're out of there? It's an area that the church has suffered loss and it ought not to be because God is so good. God is so wonderful. God is so big. And there is really no need for any confusion. Okay? We said on Sunday that God is the goodest. Amen? The God we've come to is the goodest. There's no one to compare to God. We sang that song, How Great. There is none as great as our God. There is no problem, no challenge, no obstacle that is big, as high, as tough as our God. Our God is greater than them all. Praise the Lord. There is no challenge, there is no infirmity, there is no enemy. There is nothing that is as big as our God. That's why the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Praise the Lord. Incidentally and, you know, interestingly, I don't want to say unfortunately, that scripture says, if God be for us, like that taught us some time ago, that God is not actually on anybody's side. When he stood before Joshua, what did he say? Joshua said, are you for us against us? I said, no, you know, nah. So this challenge is this, am I on God's side? Once you get yourself on God's side, you are coasting to victory. Praise the Lord. Whatever area of life it is, whatever area... Get yourself on the believing side, okay? So we said God is the goodest. He's the best, amen? He's the best. The goodness of God, the goodness of God. 
And somebody will be saying, but pastor, I said the severity of God. Yes, the severity of God is also for your good. You see, there are statements that are in the Bible that are categorical. You say, God is love. Amen? Now, what that implies is this. Like we tried to illustrate on Sunday, and we illustrated with the policemen, okay? And we pray that our policemen will have a different testimony, even from this year in Jesus' name. But we say, when the policemen stop you, and one person is insulting you and say, I go show you, I go show you. And another person is saying, oh God, don't worry. You know, we'll settle this thing. We say that all of them are on the same side. They are out to obtain money from you, isn't it? So even the one that is smiling to you and is calling you to the side, I'll say, oh God, no, no vex, no mind that. They are working in the same team. They are all bad, right? And then, but we also notice that somebody goes, when you go to the hospital now, to the, to the theater, you're going to see knife. If you go to the, uh, where, where the orthopedic surgeons are, you're going to see saw, not just knife, saw. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, are they butchers? Are they killing anybody? <laughs> In some cases, you see them, they, bring, they require male nurses. They say, hold him down, hold him down. Are they wicked? Why? Because everything, the sum total of what they're doing in that place is to help that patient. It's the same thing. God is love. Every act of it is a love act. Praise the Lord. So let nobody, you know, get confused when we say the severity of God. All of that is an help, an expression of his love. And for us, as we understand it, he helps us. He puts us in the banner of his love. It's not understanding it that takes us out of his love. And we don't want to be there. Praise the Lord. Now, let me lay this background as well, you know, before we move on. You see, when we studied, uh, um, I think that's integrated science. How many of us did integrated science? They've changed it now. What, what are they doing now? Sorry? Basic science. Okay, when we did integrated science, we did uh, characteristics of living things, right? And what did they say living things? Do they say living things respond to stimulus? Okay? So it means if you keep a living thing, okay, if it would normally just sit quietly... You introduce something in that environment. That living thing would either maybe doze off, be more relaxed, or be agitated and run away. Okay, let's take um, a little worm now, okay? So the worm is crawling and is crawling and is just having a nice time. If you take some grains of salt, okay, and drop on it, okay, what will happen? The worm that was moving, you know, smoothly, what will begin to do? It will wriggle and shrivel and do all of that. What has happened? Something has been introduced to its environment that created that, okay? Now, because you and I are living things, we don't just do what we do. We do what we do based on what we sense around us. Praise the Lord. It means my life, your life, our lives. If you analyze your life, your actions have been based on what you read around you. That is why, as you're here now, many of us sometimes, when you have um, kata, if you've had kata, you'll be in a place and the thing is trying to irritate you, trying to come out. But because you're in a place that you want to behave well, you hold it down. Once you get outside, what we have, it's here. Am I right? Is it only me it happens to? Now, what happened was this. The irritation or the whatever, you were feeling it all the while. But because of your environment, you held it. Okay? Because you didn't want to do that in this environment. Now, I'm going somewhere. Now, when you get to the point where as a Christian, anywhere you are, you can sense the severity of God. And you can sense the goodness of God. You'll become a champion. Did you hear me? If you get to the point where you can at anywhere, no matter where you find yourself, as a living being, as a Christian, as a child of God, you find yourself here, you can sense at the same moment. Remember, we, we took note of, I, I guess I thought somebody would pick it. We learned on Sunday that the challenge is that we have been told about the goodness of God, but when told about the severity of God, if you can at every point in your life sense the goodness of God and the severity of God, you will be a champion because that is the two side. 
the scripture here, it said they exist side by side. Now, if I give you a chair to sit, beautiful chair, you know, beautiful forestry made with, you know, uh, the best gold-plated whatever, and then the chair has two legs. What will you do with the chair? You will thank me for the chair, but you won't sit down, right? Why? Because it's incomplete. Now, you know why you're able to do that? Because your knowledge of chair means that it has to be balanced. Many of us, our knowledge of God is not balanced. So we accept everything they tell us about God, but it's not balanced. The other way you can understand this is, any person here they've ever done 419, how many of us have lost money to MMM, you know, Omano and all of that? You lost money, don't raise your hand. My own hand is up, you know. Now, if you go back and check wherever they duped you, whatever they told you was not balanced. So they tell you, somebody comes to you, a stranger, advertises on Facebook, and say there is this uh, project I have, uh, crypto, mapto, whatever it is. If you give me 50,000, next week I give you 150. If you give me 150, next week I give you 450. Somebody you don't know. So he's not your mother, he's not your father, he's not any that to you. He can multiply money. He didn't multiply his own. He's your own he wants to take to multiply. Somebody say you know balance. You know balance now. You see, it's so easy to be wise. I'm t- if, if you understand balance, it's so easy to be wise. You know? It's so easy to be wise. Like the one that tell people, you know, a lady is there and they, an old man is coming, you know, and the old man is, you know, whatever they call it, chasing or whatever the lady. And he tells the lady, you see, I don't like my wife. She's old. She's this, she's that. And then the lady is smiling. <laughs> You know, I'll just marry you and divorce her and drive her away and all. And then you're laughing. Will you freeze at this age? Do you understand? You know, people don't think balance. You know, people just hear one thing and then they just stop there. No, you have to think balance. You have to think, you know, what you say side by side. What is the other side? What are all the sides? I love you. If I don't see you, I won't eat. Ah, But you just met me now. How have you been eating? Do you understand? I'm just trying to put that in a, at the background. So, understanding that balance is so important. And that's what the scripture is trying to say. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 11. Let's see what the Apostle Paul was saying to us there quickly. This is what he says. He says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to that he has done. Okay? 11. It says, whether good or bad. It says, knowing therefore what? The terror of the Lord. What do we do? We persuade men. We persuade men. Knowing therefore. It's not knowing the terror of the Lord that they tell people, whatever you do, God will smile at you. Whatever you do, you end up in heaven. The Bible says the road that leads to life is what? It's straight and narrow. Some people think that that day God will look in heaven and say, there are few people in heaven. Let's go and please call people from hell. Knowing therefore what? The terror of the Lord. We persuade men. We know what we're saying. It's like a good teacher. Who are the good teachers we had in school? There are those who prepared us so well for the exam. Who, you know, they drilled us. Who are the best coaches? They are the ones that drill their players. Drill them, drill them, drill them. I was reading something. I can't remember who was saying it, whether it was uh, Muhammad Ali or, or, or Tyson or something. And he was saying that the fighting part of boxing is not difficult. He says the training. He says if your training is easy, fighting will be difficult. But if your training is hard, fighting will be easy. It's automatic. Okay? So he says there, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. We persuade men. There's a knowledge that helps us. And we're going to look at some instances quickly and you see what I'm talking about. So, I'll start from the very beginning, Genesis. Now, have you ever asked yourself, you know, I was reading somewhere, and the person said that when he gets to heaven, that he will ask Adam, which kind koro koro fall you for? Eve was deceived. Eh? Eve took. You knew God said the day you eat it. You know it's the serpent that made that. Why didn't you say no, 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 no? Let's see what we can do. You just took and ate like that. 
Will you ask Adam the same question? Let's ask ourselves the ones we're doing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, let's ask ourselves the ones we're doing, okay? So, we want to start from that Genesis 2. And you look at that scripture in Genesis 2, where God spoke to Adam and Eve. I, I want to read it for you in verse 15. Let me read 15 to 17. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely what? Now, is there any complicated part in that scripture? Is there anything there difficult to understand? Praise God. Now, I want you to think before you answer this question for me. Are you sure there is nothing, you know, ambiguous? Maybe God, you know, it's as clear as it is. Eh? And we've learned here that the species of fruits available to them will run in thousands, if not more. You may eat of any of them, okay? But this one out of it, don't eat. The day you eat of it, he didn't say you sleep. He didn't say you have kata. He didn't say you have malaria. He said you die. Is that what he said to him? Now, the question I want to ask you is this. When the serpent came and suggested to her, why didn't she say to serpent, go, 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 get away from here? Why didn't she say that? I want you to think. I need help here so I know we are together. Why, why didn't she say that? Sorry? She said, I believe. The, yes, she believed the devil, yes. Uh, curiosity, yes. You know why? God is too good. God is too good. Somebody tells you, I bring you here now. I say, every chair in this auditorium, you can sit on. But you see that chair? Don't sit on it. The day you sit on it, this building, you know, whatever. And then you come, you leave all the chairs. That very one I said you shouldn't sit on. You go and sit and cross leg. It's an indication that you think I am just a uh, uh, hey, hey, Baba God. That the way they pamper. That's it. It's not a difficult thing. She wasn't hungry. She wasn't forced. She wasn't coerced. Nothing. The first step is that she thought God was too good he won't do anything and the serpent helped him he said we do not die is it not god but paul says knowing therefore the terror of the lord we do what that's where our problems are because you see we've learned here any challenge i have any challenge you have as a christian because of weakness grace will help you because the grace of god is made perfect in our weaknesses but the thing that destroys many christians is not weakness is presumption it is effrontery it is callousness Uh -uh. contempt thank you sir the bible says being awake and aware somebody say body no be wood body no be wood why do people commit adultery you have your wife that they've licensed you for the past 40 years to marry then you leave her and use money and then you're pushing something there god is too good he cannot mean it (laughs) is that clear it was an an issue of her view of god that's it okay another one quickly we we need to cover a lot of grounds here lot's wife genesis 19 lot's wife one is also very interesting you know lot's wife one genesis 19 i want you to get that so that you can just take it with you and anywhere you find yourself you mount goodness here you mount severity here and you'll just be saved genesis 19 15 the Bible says, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lord to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while Lord lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. 17, let's read 17 together. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that they said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. He said, escape. Do not look behind you, right? Now, you're escaping. They are burning that place. Okay? You're escaping to where you're going to be preserved. And they say, do not look behind you. Okay. You started escaping. Your husband is in front of you. 
Your husband is running, escaping. Your daughter said, maybe she was the last person. Why did you stop to turn to look back? You know why? These angels, they can be serious. You were hearing the sound of burning and destruction. The first thing they told you is already happening. Wow, everywhere is going in, in, you know. And then your husband is running. Your two daughters are running. What are you turning back to look at? Because over time, she had never taken anybody seriously. This year, say to yourself, this year, I will take God seriously. Put Matthew 17, 20. So we'll just look at it. Matthew 17, 20, message. So we'll just get it and we'll move. Thank you. Let's read it together, everybody. This was the response Jesus gave to the disciples. When they asked, why couldn't we do this? This is what he said. He said, because you are not yet what? Taking God seriously. By the help of God, you will, I will, we will take God seriously in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you see these two examples. At the beginning of scriptures, they are laying foundations for us. Adam and Eve. Okay, Eve. Let's even say Eve. When they brought Adam's own, Adam could have said, eh? Eve, you, you did this. Uh, uh, okay, just wait. God, please, did you really mean that we'll die? And then God will tell you. I said, let there be light. Is there still light? When I said, let there be light, did you ask me, did I mean there, there should be light? Do you understand? The covenant I made with the son and him are still there. So why will Christians still koro koroga and be doing what God said they shouldn't do? And what are they thinking? They don't know the side by side of God. They don't know. They are taking him for granted. Okay? So we look at David. We look at David's life. And I want you to see something in David's life. Very interesting. David in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, because of time, we won't read the whole story. David was sent by the father to bring cheese and bread to the brothers at the war front. And when he got there, David heard this boy, or rather this man, Goliath. And Goliath was threatening and, um, you know, saying all kinds of things, you know, insulting the armies of Israel, telling them, bring a man to fight me and all of that. And when David overheard it, he, he wondered. David had never fought in the war. No, he had never fought a battle. And, you know, he had killed a lion, he had killed a bear, but he had never fought, you know, a human uh, um, opponent. Nothing like that ever. So when David heard it, he said to them, uh, verse 26, or rather, let me read from 24. As Goliath did this thing, he says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel say, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, will give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, it's like when I read this, what I sense is that David said to them, seriously? Because that said it, and then he asked, he said, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine, takes away the reproach from Israel? You see the dimension he put there. All those people were saying, well, just look at the man. But David was seeing something. David was standing there and saying, this person is insulting God. The next line he says what? Who takes away the reproach from Israel? And he said, who is this what? Uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now, many fights are fought in primary school. I bet you 80% of the fights in primary school is that you, you called my mother. Am I right? You called my mother. That's World War. That's where World War began. Because when you call the child's mother, nothing else remains. He must finish you. That's the mentality David came with here. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy? As far as David was concerned, his God was untouchable. If you lie, be giant's father. I get in the picture. I want you to see something. It's an understanding. The moment David stood there, he said, how can this uncircumcised Philistine insult my God? What was he saying? He was seeing the greatness of his God. As the giant towered before the eyes of the others, he didn't tower high enough to shadow, to cloud up the greatness of David's God. Immediately he saw it. And he said, this man, this uncircumcised Philistine, 
must be put down. And to prove to you his thinking, he went against him with a stone. They don't kill human beings with pebbles. It's not the type of stone they used to kill uh, Stephen. No. He went with the one they, they used to pursue lizard and birds. Do you understand? Because as far as David was concerned, if you challenge my God, you should die like an ant, even though you're a giant. He did not think. His father sent him. David did not go home and ask the father, Daddy, 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 please, can I get permission? The brother tried to say, what's wrong with you? He didn't think again. You know what? The goodness, the greatness, the holiness, this is what many of us lack. We don't magnify the holiness of God. That's why we see things and it doesn't move us. That's why people insult God and it doesn't move us. But David could not hold himself. And somebody will listen to me and say, ah, but he likes fighting. I will show you. Because I want to show, what we are looking at is the side by side. Am I right? Come into First Samuel 24. Just a few chapters ahead. You see something that happens there now. And I'll read from um, 3. You know, this is where Saul was pursuing David. Okay? Let me read from 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I'll deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Let's read 6 together, everybody. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Why didn't he act here? Why? The severity, yes. So a man on one side, the son restrained that he didn't respect his older brother. He didn't get back to his father who sent him to bring food. And he went and fought a giant. Why? Because of the greatness of God. In this other side, his soldiers are pushing him. This is the time. This is what is giving you. Kill him, kill him, kill him. And he didn't move because of the side by side of God. I get him. This is the knowledge of God. Anybody that knows one side is not God, he knows. One side pushes you, one side keeps you, restrains you. When a man gets this revelation, that's what our Lord Jesus Christ was saying. He that is born of the Spirit. He says, like the wind. Because they'll be wondering, David has become a Juma. David has become lily-hearted. But David went against a giant without anything. So he's not lily-hearted. At this time, he just needs to do this and Saul is dead. But his heart smote him. Has he become soft-hearted? He's seeing God. May you and I see God. This is what will make you stand in an office. You stand in a situation. You make a declaration. They'll be wondering, ah, I know him more. What gave him this boldness? It's not you. Do you understand? David did not fight Goliath because Goliath was fighting David. David fought Goliath because Goliath was fighting his God. Praise the Lord, somebody. And that fight, he did not need to apply for backup. (laughs) Because like we said, our father which had in heaven, what? Hallowed be covered that fight. May you find yourself on the side of the Lord's battle. In the name of Jesus. Our time is going quickly. Another one I show you. So you understand what we're learning. Joseph. Joseph, okay, Genesis 39, we'll see what happens there. From verse 7 to 9. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I know. Has he kept back anything from me? But you, because you are his wife. Let's read the last part. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay? So the Bible says she continued day by day to pester David, to pester David. Now, verse 12. Verse 12 says, A day came and she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. What happened? But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran out. When I was reading this, the, the Lord said to me, Tell them that notice that on that particular day, Joseph didn't even speak again. <laughs> Somebody didn't hear me. The day she caught him, he didn't speak. No negotiation. What he did, he just ran. He had been speaking. 
the decision had been made. This matter had been determined by the decree of the watchers. There is nothing. Oga, if you touch me, I will pierce your two eyes. Are you hearing me? It's not the one of, leave me, leave me, leave me. No. Is someone hearing me? Now, Joseph ran. A coward before man. Ran without his clothes. If today, I advised him, I would have said no. You should have collected your clothes. But Joseph said, if collecting boxer or danchiki, whatever it is, it was, please help me. <laughs> whatever it is, Joseph ran away like a madman. What was he running from? The severity of God. Hey. The Bible talks about do not even be defiled by a garment. Don't touch by a garment, touch with sin. It's people who know God. People who don't know God will tell you, ah, no, it doesn't matter. He ran like a fool, like a coward. That's how he ran. Genesis 40, the same Joseph. Now in prison, he's put in charge. He wakes up in the morning. Because of time, let's read from verse 5. It says, Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his laws, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We've each had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? He said, What? Tell them to me, please. The same Joseph. Imagine. Do you know at this point, Joseph had never interpreted a dream. But he just knew. I'm put in charge here. I'm to minister to your needs. If it's a dream, my God can solve it. He said, tell them to me. Do not interpretations belong to God. He stepped into the office of a God rep. Why? Because he knows the two dimensions of God. God is good. He will help you. God is holy, I will flee. Two sides. The man who doesn't know God, when he sees problems, he will run away. I remember many years ago, one of our discipleship um, classes, the minister that was taking it, I think there was someone there manifested from Jabi. He phoned me in my tama. <laughs> from Jabi, he called me on the phone in my tama. Pastor, come on, come on. Don't you have the spirit of God? Do you understand? For this purpose was the son of God was. So if you see the works of the devil, don't call pastor, destroy it. Because, you see, if you see the works of the devil and you're calling pastor, that means that when temptation comes, you don't run. The man who flees from temptation to compromise, when he sees the devil dinner, he will slap the devil. Why am I keeping my hands clean? If not for the power. Why am I keeping myself from defilement? Why am I watching what my eyes see, if not for the power? If I close my eyes to evil so that I don't defile my eyes, when I now see the one I should do, why will I be dodging? You know, wisdom and maturity. I remember those days, whenever I see all those uh, people that have crocodiles and things that they control, I'll just park by the side and begin to bind the spirit behind it. Let this crocodile bite them so. Do you understand? Why? Joseph, in this case, he fled from defilement so that he will be ready for duty. You will be ready for duty. I say you will be ready for duty. I say you will be empowered for duty. In the name of Jesus Christ. You see, the policeman, you know, I, I don't know if I told you this story, but the first landlord we had in Abuja, the first house we actually moved in, was a military man. The first time we went to see him in his office, he was wearing his military attire. We felt so intimidated. Then the time he came to the house in Mufti, I felt like giving him a knock. Say, now you be this. The Christian who flees from defilement is keeping his armor on. He's keeping his uniform on. You don't want it stained. You don't want it defiled. So that when duty calls, you're fully kitted. Praise the Lord, somebody. So that's what we see with Joseph. He understood the two sides. In one side, he fled. In one side, they said, <laughs> you can tell me, I pray you will walk in this year with a full assurance of the anointing you carry. In the name of Jesus. He said, do interpretations not belong to God? Was God there? God wasn't there. Joseph was there. But he was saying, Joseph is here. God is here. Maybe that uh, Valerie is there. God is there. 
Momichi is there. God is there. Happiness is there. God is there. Amen? That's what it is. But it doesn't happen with a one-sided God. You have to know the two sides of God. When they say something, you say, it won't happen in this office. Unless I say so. It's not by wishing. It's by dwelling within the confines of the goodness or the greatness and the severity of God. One last one and we'll take our prayer. Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Are we getting something? Praise God. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Oh, the very important part I'm missing, oh Lord. Daniel 1 8. Let, let me rush through this. Okay, in Daniel 1 8, we know what happened. They chose Daniel and his friends. And um, they were privileged to be in the king's university. And um, where they were going to be trained and become advisors to the king. And when they had finished making the proposal and all of that, the Bible tells us in verse 8 that Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And you know, when you look at this, what did Daniel say he would not defile himself with? With delicacies. I like the combination of the word defile and delicacy. Have you thought about it? Daniel said he would not defile himself. He didn't say he wouldn't defile himself with two and shinkafi. He didn't say he wouldn't defile himself with a, a bandegusi soup. Right? No, he didn't say that. He said he would not defile himself with what? Snails, salad. Right? Afang soup. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about? He said he would not defile with the king's delicacies. He purposed in his heart. Which means if you put it in my mouth, I won't open my mouth. Why did he do that? Because of the severity of God. Daniel didn't say God understands. He said this God. He won't understand. <laughs> Are you with me today? He said this God. You're not going to kill me here first. I'm not. That is the knowledge of this true God. Any other thing is somebody deceiving you. The Bible talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. said he, he made prayers with vehement cries and tears unto him who hears. Why will he cry and pray to God like that? He knows the severity of God. He was God, but now he was as a man. He didn't go to God and slap God on the thigh and say, Paddy, make we jump and pass this one. He didn't do that. He knew the severity of God. Okay? So that was Daniel demonstrating his knowledge of the severity of God. Come with me to the next chapter, Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, uh, I wish I had time for us to read this. It's very, very sweet. Okay, the king Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and um, he calls his wise men and he says to them, I have a dream, verse 3. I've had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Okay, they said yes, go ahead. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. Yes. (laughs) What did the king answer? The king answered and said to them, this time the case don't change. We have gone pro max. <laughs> My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, Haba, this king must have been high on opium. How do you dream? Do we even know whether you dreamt a dream? <laughs> now, now, as you picture that, I want you to picture 2024. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask. I want you to picture the things that men call impossible, that by the anointing of God will be possible for you. Because what happened was that when this king said what he said, they told him unanimously, the thing you're asking for, no man has ever asked it. They were in short telling him, oh God, you have gone wako. That's what they were saying. But the king was adamant. He said, well, I've gone wacko, so kill all of them. He didn't even negotiate. He didn't try to explain to them what he meant. He said, kill all of them. Kill, kill, kill. And it was in that process that Daniel got involved. Praise God. Let's see. Okay. Verse 10 says, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matters. Therefore, no king, lord or ruler has ever asked such a thing, you know, of any magician, astrologer of Chaldea. Okay, it says the difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the God whose dwelling is not with flesh. So the king became very angry and furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Okay, 
So the Bible says, when they got to Daniel, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men. He answered and said, ah, what's going on? Why is the decree from the king so urgent? And they made known what it was. Verse 16, 17. Let's read it. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now look at what is going on here. A furious king who had given orders to kill everybody. Daniel walks into his throne and says, oh God, calm down. <laughs> I, I want you to see how it is when you know God. When the Bible says, those who do know their God shall be strong and carry out what? Great. I banish the spirit of fear. Do you know the fear that was reigning in that environment? I need you to enter the scriptures. I need the scriptures to enter you. The fact that Daniel said, let me see the king. Do you know what it means? And the king was be wondering, what is this man coming to say? He said, king, calm down. King, I will get back to you on this matter. Calm down. Keep your shirt on. Do you understand? It takes an... Brethren, anybody who is telling you otherwise doesn't want you to be anointed. The Bible says, for thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. He said, therefore, the Lord thy God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above that of your come. What makes people anointed? The God's anointing, not the devil's own. Devil's own is dirty. That's why they do homosexuality. That's why they sleep with young girls. That's why they do all the other things for their own anointing. Because it's founded and supported by iniquity. But God's anointing. Love righteousness. Hate iniquity. That's what produces God's righteousness. And you're carrying it. Let's rise on our faith. Daniel went into the king's place and said, King, (laughs) Daniel had never had such a thing done before. But he knew that God doesn't run from battle. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to me today? Is there a situation facing you? Your God is not running away. He said, no temptation has befallen you, but such as is common to man. He said, but God is what? Let me say God is faithful. God will not allow you to meet what he will not anoint you to handle. God will not allow you to face a situation where he will not empower you to be victorious. God is the most conscious of his glory. Say, as I live, says the Lord. Say, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Just enlist yourself on those who are walking on the side of his glory. And victory will be yours. I want you to open up your mouth and cry to the Lord. Lord, anoint me this year. That's what we are talking about. This thing we are learning about, the goodness and the severity of God, is zeroes in on the anointing. Lord, distinguish me, whether it's academics, whether it's in my place of work, whatever area. Lord, I want to love you. I want to be consumed with love for you. I want to be consumed with hatred for iniquity. That's why we hate iniquity. It's because we know the severity of God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, this is me in this year 2024. Help me, Lord, to know the side by side of your goodness and your severity, of your goodness and your severity, that the anointing may flow, flow, that I may walk in the power that I ought to walk in. Lord, help me. Every area that have not taken you seriously (laughs) like adam and eve like lord's wife lord please wake me up wake me up wake me up in jesus name let me ask you a question how many of us have read the passage in the scripture that says if your right eye will cause you to sin pluck it out you know when we read it what do we say he must be joking jesus who is one with the father is telling you about the severity of god when he says that, I you know the next thing he says. He says it's better for you to go into life with one eye than for the whole body. This is Christianity. This is in the Bible. Nobody is going to tell God, ah, but he didn't explain it to me. That one is not, they didn't write it in tongues. They wrote it in English. And in my language, any language of the... He said, if your right hand will cause you to sin. He said what? It is why he knows the severity of God. How many of us have listened to that video? Did you put where uh, when he said, 
the shout, the cry of the man who was being pushed. How many have listened to it? The cry of the man that was being sent to hell. Nobody wants to toy with that. But that's not even the angle we want to go to. There are glorious things to be done in God. There are marvelous things to be done in God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Imagine how Daniel would have been walking around in the kingdom after that. Even the king, when Daniel comes in, the king will stand up. Because he will know that this man I'm looking at is not a man. How did you enter my sleep to know my dream? How did you download it? And then bring the interpretation. And when he heard it, he knew that was the correct interpretation. Man, past man, oh. Is the anointing. Praise the Lord. I want you to pray. Pray for yourself. Lord, help me. Let me comprehend the God I serve. I believed in you. Let me comprehend the God I serve. Let me comprehend your power. Let me comprehend your wisdom. Let me comprehend your faithfulness. Let me comprehend your love. Let me comprehend your devotion. Let me comprehend your dexterity. You see, the wisdom of God. How marvelous are his ways. Let me comprehend this God that I serve. Lord, help me in this year 2024. Help me, Lord. Lord, put me in. Plant me, oh Lord. In the midst of your goodness and severity. He said they are side by side. Let me be in the middle of it. Help me, my Lord. Help me, help me. Brother, pray. Sister, pray. It touches everywhere. The goodness of God. Ah, that's what makes a man to laugh in the midst of trials. That's what makes a man that they threaten him and he begins to laugh. That's what makes a man comprehend that if God be for you, who can be against you? That's what makes a man know that he that began the good work in his life will be faithful to perform it unto the very... That's what makes a man know that this God I have called upon, he will not abandon me. He will not forsake me. Reliable. Dependable. Faithful God, unchanging God. That's what makes us walk about. Knowing that where we are, he knows where we are. He's the God that says, fear not those who can kill the body. Because after they kill the body, they can't touch the soul. He says, I will show you. That's telling you about the severity of God. Whom to fear. And I have surrendered to that God. There is nothing I'm afraid of. Rather, I'm enlisting for glorious things. Wonderful things marvelous things the lord will do in my life will do in your life we do in the tfc we do in our nation in the name of jesus christ i say you enlisted you enlisted you're planted and located in the middle of the goodness of god and the severity of god for glorious and marvelous things thank you jesus You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.